they said. It will be fun, they said. Who the heck are they anyway? As moms, we sacrifice a lot for our families, our time, our health, our wallets, our identity, friendships, personal care, and of course, our beloved sleep. Motherhood is a crazy ride, one that is not meant to be braved alone. It takes a village, right? Well, your village is here. I'm your host, Sabrina Greer, and every week I'll be diving into the gray areas of motherhood with some very special guests. This is not the highlight reel, but the real deal. So reheat that cup of coffee, turn up the volume, and get ready for the reminder that you've got this, mama. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to You've Got This Mama, the podcast. Welcome to April, everyone. This is so crazy. I can't believe it's already spring. Wow. And April, like where did those three months go? I was hibernating, I think. Anyway, today we are going to be doing another Share Your Truth episode. And I couldn't think of a better woman to interview for one of these. This is the second in the series where we share a true story of an inspiring mama. And today we have Syra Amjad. Hey girl. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I am awesome. Thanks for being on today. Oh, um, thank you for having me. Yeah, I've been following your journey and you know, when you reached out, it was kind of like, wow, okay, this is, you know, alignment because I was sort of following you and you've been following what we've been doing and it just, (laughs) it it finally worked out and stars Mm -hmm. aligned and here we are. And I'm just, I'm thrilled that I get to share your story here today because man, is it an inspiring one. So I'm going to read your bio. So everyone knows who we're talking to today. And then we're just going to dive right in and share your truth. Wonderful. Yeah. So Sarah Amjad is a Pakistani Canadian poet a best-selling author, a certified coach, an entrepreneur, speaker, ex-corporate professional, self-love advocate, and a single mom. Okay, (laughs) that's quite the resume. Her her new book, And So She Rises, has become an international bestseller on Amazon, which is a deeply intimate collection of poems about her struggles through failed arranged marriage, a suicide attempt, sexual abuse, pressures of being the perfect Muslim woman, Sarah invested thousands of dollars in personal development to learn, grow, heal, and expand in order to rebuild her life alongside her young daughter. Sarah has emerged as an inspiration for men and women around the globe as a strong and compassionate woman. She recently launched her company, Sarah Amjad Incorporated, through which she helps CEOs and entrepreneurs revive their relationships, break up with their fears, accelerate their healing, and she empowers her clients with necessary tools and knowledge to rise above adversity and fall in love with themselves all over again because she believes that no one should ever have to live in fear, hate, lack, abuse, or depression. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so true, right? There's so much fear comes up a lot on this show. There's so Mm. much fear in this world. And, you know, what you've been through sounds like, you know, the epitome of fear, but I think anyone, any mom listening to this today can relate on some level. They may not be able to see themselves in all of your story, but I think today, if the listeners, you know, 
listen with an open mind and an open heart, they will be able to see you and see all of the overcome and just how inspiring you are. So thank you for being here today and sharing your truth with us. So let's dive in. I'd love to hear your side of the story. You know, the Coles Notes version, I always say, but how is that possible in like, you know, 40 minutes? It sounds like a lifetime story, but if you could sort of just share where you came from so that we can better understand how you got to where you are now. Sure. Um, So as you mentioned in my bio, then I'm I'm an ex-corporate professional. So growing up, I was always ambitious in terms of, you know, I was obsessed with success and I was the, you know, top student in school and I always wanted good grades. I I I always wanted to succeed in life. I wanted that success in life. So I was also the rebel in the family. So (laughs) um, I broke so many rules. I broke so many, uh, you know, the the standards that were set in in terms of our culture in terms of what women are supposed to do I went the opposite direction of all of that I was the first um, girl in our family to pursue post-secondary education it was something that was not allowed that did not happen before I, and I was the first one and um, I was also the first one to start a corporate career um, because, you know, the expectation of women in our, in our family is that as soon as you're done school, grade 10, 11, 12, you graduate and you get married. And that's, that's the life that my sister has lived. And she's only two years older than me. So she got married right after she graduated from high school. And I was like, I looked at her and I was like, not my life. So I, I went on a completely different path and I started my corporate career. I started at, you know, the ground level and I worked my, my way up very fast into the company because I was very obsessed with success. And I kept pushing marriage off because I had such a negative perspective in terms of what marriage is supposed to look like because I didn't have, you know, healthy examples of a happy married life. The, the examples that I had around me were of women getting married because now from the the parents now she's being handed off to the the husband for financial support so my intention was if I was to get married it would be it would not be for finances I would be an independent woman and then I would just you know fall in love and have that you know a love marriage it would not be an arranged marriage (laughs) but as as God would have it um because I obsessed with success during my obsession, I let go of my health. I did not look after myself. I did not take care of myself. I worked very, um, very quickly and um, worked my way up into the company. I think one of my position in the company lasted two weeks. I earned my first promotion in three months. So it was like rapid growth, but I let go parts of myself to, um, to gain that, to gain that momentum, to gain that success. So um, I think six and a half years into, into the company, into my career, my health broke down. And that's when my family was like, enough is enough. Let's get you married. And because I was at my lowest, I was like, okay, fine. It's probably time for a change. And um, we, we connected with a family through a common mosque and, you know, the marriage was arranged and I made the difficult decision to quit my corporate job for my marriage. So we traveled overseas. It was like a fairy tale wedding. Everything was perfect. The family said all the right things, did all the right things. Like I was head over heels for this guy. It was like amazing, you know, a dream come true. Um, three, four months into the marriage, I ended up going to Saudi Arabia. That's where my husband, ex-husband lives now. 
um, that's where he was. So I went to visit him in Saudi Arabia. And that's when things began to shift because his family's perception and intention for the marriage was Canadian immigration. His, his, um, two of his sisters and his parents live in Canada and he lives in Saudi Arabia. So their intention was as soon as she, as soon as they're married, you know, she'll sponsor him and he'll come to Canada and we'll all live together and you know, whatnot. So he ended up sponsoring me for on a visit visa. So I went to visit him and they were not happy about that. And that's when things began to shift really for me. I saw a side of them that I did not expect. Um, They alienated me, they isolated me, and they became very toxic. And they made it really difficult for me to live in Saudi Arabia with my husband, even though we're like miles away from uh, from the family they made it really difficult and I saw a side of him that I probably didn't expect and that really broke me down because here I was thinking I'm on top of the world living my best life married to the to this amazing man and now I get to see a different side of him and um in my in my desire to sort of save the marriage I I agreed to conceive so I conceived in the process and what I realized was that everything that I did everything um, the decisions that I made to save the marriage were the exact decisions that my mom made at the time of her marriage. Um, and my ex-husband, the way he reacted and the way he behaved was a reflection and a repeat of how his father behaved. Um, I stayed in Saudi Arabia for nine months. And for, for you know, Muslims, Saudi Arabia is like, is like heaven. You know, every Muslim dreams of going to Saudi Arabia. And me, um, growing up, I didn't believe that I was, a, I was a good Muslim because I was labeled as a bad Muslim for all the decisions that I was making, for all the life choices that I made. So I believed deep inside that I was going to hell. And then all of a sudden, here I am sitting in Saudi Arabia thinking, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I'm here. Do I deserve to be here? Like, am I worth it? Um, does God really love me? Or am I actually being punished? So there was all sorts of thoughts and things that ran my mind but I was I was in a place where I got a chance to connect with God even though I was struggling I I turned to God and that really um you know jump-started my spiritual journey on a whole nother level when I came back from Saudi Arabia I was I think completely shattered I was on bed rest like the second half of my pregnancy we weren't sure if we're, if the baby was going to survive or not and I remember telling my husband that, you know, after I have the baby, I'm going to decide whether we're going to stay and maintain this relationship or not. But um, because he he kind of got the idea that I didn't want to stay in the marriage, he, did, he tried everything to make sure I stay. And as soon as the, the baby and as soon as we, have, we had our daughter, he shifted again. So there was always that... Th- his behavior and his attitude was never consistent Mm -hmm. and I was pressured repeatedly from his family and now all of a sudden because I was away from my husband they they took advantage of that distance to create misunderstandings miscommunication and a lot of hate between the two of us where I felt like I was I was I was um, you know presented in front of a judge like every single day where I have to sort of prove that I'm, I'm not guilty of all the accusations that they were placing on me. And at the same time, my, my brother's ex-wife also began uh, to cause a lot of issues. So I was not only experiencing emotional, verbal, mental uh, abuse from his family, I was also experiencing that from my brother's ex-wife. And we all lived in the same house. And at that time, unfortunately, my health wasn't 100%. And I didn't have the ability to just pa- pack my bags and get up and leave. 
I was in a really, really bad place. I was struggling financially. I was struggling physically. I was struggling mentally. Like it was to get out of bed was a big struggle every single day. And, um, the first year of my daughter's life, she also was in and out of the hospital. We weren't know, we didn't know if she was going to survive or not. She had um, several health concerns and she had several extended hospital trips where she was in the hospital for about, <clears throat> I think her longest trip was, was 10 days. That was the first one. She had blood in her stool and she was diagnosed with, um, with, a, with an infection that was like all over her body. So she was really not in a good place and I was not in a good place and somehow I was led to believe that all of that was my fault everything that was happening in my marriage was my fault that I was not worthy that I did not deserve to have him and I took all of that in like everything that was being said to me everything that um was you know every every attitude of theirs every word of theirs I internalized every single thing to the point that I was like maybe I am a bad person maybe God is punishing me maybe I don't deserve to live maybe I don't deserve to have him in my life and I remember my daughter was a couple months old and I planned my suicide and I was like I don't want to live this life like life does not have to be like this I was literally even my daughter's illness was a repeat of my mom's um son he, he ended up passing away, um, second son, at the age of seven months. But thank heavens, my daughter survived. So there was a lot of repetition from history. And I was like, I, I can't believe this is happening again. I don't want to live like this. And I remember I planned my suicide. I left, you know, planned my suicide notes in terms of when I was going to do it, where I was going to do it, how I, was, how I was going to do it. And right when I was ready to to take that step I think it was just a matter of seconds I pulled back in a matter of seconds because I had my young daughter laying on bed next to me and I was like oh my gosh I can't do this to her I can't leave her to live life now without her father and without her mother and a part of me was like bring her with you and my heart just like it just dropped. I was like, I can't even do that to her. Like I can't, she does not deserve this. She deserves better. She didn't ask for this. And the reason she's in my life that like, that's, there's gotta be a reason behind that. So I pulled back and I canceled um, my suicide plan and I broke down into tears. I broke down on the prayer mat and I, and I cried to God that, that weekend, you know, I was like, I, you know, I'm sorry. I was ready to take the step, but I don't know what, what to do. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to rise above it. I surrender, guide me. And the guidance, as soon as the guidances started to come, I just kind of acted upon them. Um, I also ended up putting a lock on my door in my room because, um, my sister-in-law, my brother's ex-wife, not only was she abusive, she was also teaching her four-year-old son how to be abusive towards my daughter. I remember coming out of the washroom once and um, his, her son had a cushion on top of my daughter's face. And had I been delayed like a couple minutes, she probably would have, you know, suffocated. And here she was sitting right across from, from him. She, wa- she was watching the whole thing and she did not stop him. And after that day, I was like, never again. And I, w- I put a lock on my door and I would keep my daughter inside and I would stay inside. I actually feared my, my daughter's life and my life. 
So I would stay in the room and I started working on myself in terms of what is it that I can do? And I prayed hard. I was like, oh God, I have nowhere to go. I have nothing to do. I don't know what to do. Like my life is a mess. I want a better life. Like this cannot be it for me. And I think the desire kind of expanded thinking back to the fact that, okay, if I really was a bad person, if I really was a bad Muslim, and if I really was a bad wife and a bad mother, I would never have ended up in Saudi Arabia. Because Muslims, like Saudi Arabia, Mecca is like the most sacred place on earth for us. And I was like, you know, if that was that was the case, I probably wouldn't have, uh, you know, gotten to Saudi Arabia. And I had a spiritual experience there. And I was like, if I was a bad person, I wouldn't have had that spiritual experience. So that kind of expanded and grew. And I and I kept praying. And I was, I think, um, a friend of mine reached out to me, my one of my best friends. And she had joined an MLM company and she contacted me. She's like, do you know anyone who, who's looking to improve their health? And I was like, yeah, me, hi. <laughs> so I ordered the products right away and I started using the products and I was able to improve not only my health, but my daughter's health through the products. And I just, I just started immersing myself in positive videos. I remember going, I would go to bed every night watching Oprah, her, her shows and her videos. And a lot of my nights were like, I wouldn't even sleep through the night. I would just stay awake. So it was just one thing led to another. And I just followed the guidances and I, um, I found myself at a personal development seminar and I had no idea how I was going to get there. I had no money. I had like no car, no form of transportation. I didn't know, but I made it happen. I showed up to the, to the personal development event, that growth seminar. And I, and I came out of it with a, with a changed mindset, with a renewed desire to live life. And that, I think that kind of pushed me to explore this further because I had never heard all the time that I was in my corporate career and I was working on professional growth. I had never heard of manifestation. I didn't know what like positive self-talk is like what self-love to me. Like I didn't know a lot of these concepts. A lot of this was foreign to me. So I think over the years, um, uh, as I worked on myself, I also decided that I, we were not going to live in that in that environment. So my mom and I started looking for apartments, and we we relocated. And at that same time, my brother's ex-wife decided that she was going to go to Pakistan. So I moved and I relocated, and I uh, went to court to get custody um, for my daughter. And until even until today, um, my ex-husband's family doesn't know where I live. They don't know where I am, but they did make it really difficult for me to get custody for my for my daughter because they represented him in court without his consent. So after the custody battle, throughout the custody battle, actually, I just kept working on myself. I went and I, you know, um, got a few certifications. I hired a coach. I tapped into various online courses and mentorships programs. And I think over the last maybe four years, I've probably invested like fifty to sixty thousand in my personal growth because I was at this time around I was obsessed with creating a different life for my daughter and I I was obsessed with finding out how can I do 
things differently because through watching online courses, online programs, I saw people who were happy in their life. I saw what true love is supposed to look like versus the love that I was experiencing. I was told that I was being yelled at because they loved me. I was told that I was being treated a certain way because they loved me. So I was given like a very distorted uh, version of what reality is supposed to be. I was, you know, there was gaslighting. There was a lot of, um, a lot of lies that were involved. Rumors were spread about me. There was like a lot of hatred that that was spread in the community but in instead of me going out and fighting all of that I just went inward and I connected with God and I worked on myself and I've I've um created you know created a um finally pursued my passion for fashion and I created an online modest clothing business I launched my book I've uh, you know launched courses and now I teach women how to rise above the adversity that they have and how to heal from trauma because there's a lot of trauma that I was holding on to and one of the things that I realized um, through my growth is that the reason why I was living a repeat life of my mom's is that is that the abuse is something that is passed on for generations. So all of the, all of that healing that I experienced, I went through after the fact is healing that needed to happen before I got married or while I was growing up. So would you attribute your ability to rise above all of this negativity and toxicity directly to personal development, to all of the growth that you've had and the courses and the programs and everything that you've done to sort of improve yourself? For sure, 100%. I don't think I would be where I am today if it wasn't for personal development and personal growth. Yeah, I'm a massive advocate. I mean, anyone who listens to the show knows I'm a big fan of personal development. And I do think, you know, there's so many different layers of that. Like there's people think it's woo-woo or there's, you know, so many different versions of it. But I really think it's just finding what it is for you. And I mean, even listening to podcasts or reading books, or it doesn't have to be, you know, it's amazing that you invested so much in yourself. And I'm a strong believer that, you know, you are the best investment that you could ever give yourself, but it doesn't always have to be that way. There's a lot of free resources out there that are still, that will still help somebody grow and improve personally. So I want to jump back a second because there's something you said in there earlier on in the conversation that stood out to me. And it's also in your bio about being the perfect Muslim woman and what, what you're supposed to do as a Muslim woman. Uh, So I'm kind of curious, like how, how much of your story do you feel is affected through culture? And, you know, what does that, what does that mean to be a perfect Muslim woman? Like, what are you expected to do that you weren't doing? Um, I was independent. (laughs) (laughs) I was outspoken. I was, um, I was very outspoken. I dressed differently. I think halfway into my corporate career, I removed my hijab, not even halfway, I think very early on. And I completely changed my wardrobe in terms of how I dressed. So I wore short sleeves. I was uh, not wearing long sleeves. I was not covering my face. Um, I had some guy friends, um, and I still do, who are like the best of friends, and you're not supposed to be talking to boys, and you're supposed to just follow, you know, you're, even though 
the the expectation that was that is placed on us is cultural and we have religious references of like strong women from the past who were muslims but also business owners and also leaders in their family but i think the expectation that we have is like a cultural thing to make sure that women are confined into into the home and they don't have passions or dreams so that they can they're just they're just there to raise a family to make sure they're cook, cook and clean for the for the um for the family and whatnot so that was the expectation i was going like completely opposite of that and i was not uh, you you're expected to if someone is has an expectation of you so your husband your mother-in-law your sister-in-laws have an expectation of you you're supposed to fulfill that you're not supposed to question it and I was the one who would question a lot of things mm-hmm. I was very outspoken and I would talk back like if something does not feel right and it's not right it's unethical of course I'm going to speak up I'm not yeah. going to just back down so that was that did not sit well mm. so you feel even today in 2019 that's still prevalent in the Muslim culture in certain families, I won't say yeah. the, the entire Muslim culture, but in certain families, in certain cultures, yes, it is. Wow. It's interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. Crazy. So tell me what inspired you to write your book. So it's called And So She Rises. So, I mean, I think the title sort of give, alludes to where the inspiration came from. But tell, tell me a little bit about your book and sort of the inspiration behind it and what, what people can expect if they go grab a copy. Yeah, for sure. So um, after I launched my clothing business, I think everything that I've accomplished, like since my desire to rise above from adversity has been like a divine intervention. So my clothing business was also a divine inspiration. And my book is also a divine inspiration. I remember one day, um, I was crying my eyes out. And I was praying to God, like, what's next for me? I don't know what's next for me. Please guide me, help me. And prior to that, I've had the nudges to write a book. I've had so many people who've said, okay, Sarah, you need to write a book. But I think writing about my story and finally being transparent and vulnerable was very scary. And um, I recall I was at the yoga show, Toronto yoga show, and there was a spiritual healer there. So I paid like 10 bucks for like 10 minutes of her time. And I waited one hour in the lineup and I asked her, I'm like, okay, what, what books should I be writing? Cause I think I just wanted someone else to validate what I should be doing versus just trusting my own voice. Um, so I asked her, I'm like, which book should, should I be writing? And I had like all these illustrations. I'm like, I had this idea for this uh, children's book and I really want to write it. And she's like, okay, so what's the other idea? I'm like, the other idea is the story of my life. She's like, yeah, that's the one you should be writing. And I was like, why? <laughs> she's like, I don't know, but that's the one you should be writing. So I came home from, from that event and I cried to God on the prayer mat. And I was like, I don't know what I should be doing. This is so scary. Um, guide me. And I just cried and cried. And all of a sudden I had this, this nudge. It just felt like someone lifted me up to rise up from the prayer mat and go sit on my desk and open Microsoft Word. And I just, I just did all that. I was I was, it was, it was not something that I did for myself. It just happened. And I opened my software and I started typing and I was just typed and typed and typed, but I couldn't see what I was typing because I was crying my eyes out. By the time I was done typing, I had like 20 poems written and I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? I was totally freaked out because some of these poems that came out because I was, I didn't have a filter on anymore. I was just 
completely at a place of surrender. I was completely open. The poems that came out were really, really intimate. I was like, oh my gosh, how can I share this with the world? This is so scary. And I messaged my therapist at that time, my coach, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. I asked God for guidance and there's poetry coming out of me. And she's like, it's got to be in you for it to come out of you. So you asked for guidance. You got it. Why are you resisting? Embrace Mm -hmm. it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's true. All of it. I am such a strong believer in that too. And that's, that's really what we're trying to do here at YGT Mama is like share the truth, right? Mm -hmm. It's like share your story. And that's why with my books, I wanted them to be co-authored instead of Mm -hmm. just my voice because while my story is my story and I will share it one day, I felt like these books needed to be a collective voice of all of the moms out there so that each and every single reader could share a piece of that person, a piece of that story and, you know, collect their own truths and their own version so that they could feel empowered and they could feel like they're not alone. And really that's, that's what you're providing for people. You're showing them what it's like to overcome so much adversity and you're sharing your truth. And in Mm -hmm. doing so, you're really showing the world that, if anyone else is struggling out there, if anyone else is dealing with anything even remotely similar, that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's what that is. So I love that your, your coach said not to resist because so often we want to resist things oh, that, sure. that are just such a, they're a piece of us. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're always resisting creativity. We're always resisting anything that doesn't feel like what we're supposed to be doing. Yes. Right. And it's, it's insane. And I love that you're going against the grain and you're swimming upstream and you're doing all of these things because that's what needs to happen to change the world. We need yeah. more people that are willing to do that, to get uncomfortable, right? To get outside of their yeah. comfort zone and keep going. For sure. For sure. And yeah. it's interesting that the more real I got and the more transparent I got, the more authentically I shared my voice mm-hmm. on social media, I had thousands like literally thousands over the last two years um of people not even just women but men as well who have connected with me as a result of me sharing my story because they they were able to connect with either the suicide the anxiety the depression the the abuse or whatever it is or or was it the inspiration i've finally helped them you know gave them my story gave them permission to articulate and acknowledge what they went through in order to release it and heal from it. So it's been, it's been really, really powerful and a, and a inspirational path for me as well to see that transformation happen in, you know, other people's lives. Mm-hmm. I love that you said permission because mm-hmm. even you, even you asked that spiritual healer for permission yes. to write your story. We all sometimes just need that, right? We just need that little extra somebody else believing in us or somebody else, you know, guiding us or showing us the way, whether it's God or a higher power or a mentor or a friend or somebody who inspires you. We all just once in a while need that little nudge and that permission to move forward with what sets our soul on fire, right? With what we want to do, how we want to impact this world. Yeah, no, I absolutely love what you're creating and what you're doing. So if you were to do it all over again, you know, if you could start life from day one, what would you do differently, if anything? I think I would 
follow my heart's voice. I would follow my intuition from day one. And I think that has been the biggest lesson in my entire journey, not following my heart's desires and not following my intuition. Had I followed my intuition, my life would have been completely different. Um, and I think I would probably be on a different path, maybe on this path a lot sooner in terms of personal growth, in terms of starting a business, in terms of being my own boss, in terms, in terms of like teaching the world um, how to do life differently. But I think I got into a lot of trouble and I, I waited for permission from others versus just doing my own thing and just standing up for what I want to do and following my intuition. Yeah. I think we all need to follow our intuition, but sometimes, you know, maybe it happened the way it was meant to happen. Yes. Right. Like every, I, I really strongly believe that timing, like there's no coincidence, right? Timing yes. is, is as it's to be. Yes. And, you know, you're doing so much right now in a time when the world needs this, you know, like this is where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there and you're going to make a lot of change. There's going to be a lot of waves that may not have been as receptive, you know, five years ago or whenever this was happening. How old's your daughter now? She is four and a half. She's turning five in June. Oh yes. <laughs> same, <laughs> same as my little guy. It's such a fun oh, age. Yeah. It really is. But no, I, I think what you're doing is just amazing. It's Thank you. so powerful. And I'm so grateful that you came on the show and shared your story with the world once again. I, I don't know if the whole world is listening to this podcast, but our, our listenership is growing. And, and I'm just, you know, this is what it's all about. It really is about sharing our story authentically, you know, unapologetically. We don't need to hide behind anything anymore. We just need to be who we are. And I think you're going to inspire so many women to come out of hiding and share their truth and be proud of it. Be proud of who you are. Be proud of your story. Be proud of your voice and know that you have a voice and it doesn't matter who's listening. You just need to use it. (laughs) You just need to speak up and say it you know, be in the now and be in your journey. And I I just think that's so awesome that you're doing that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, if our listeners want to track you down, tell us just, you know, what are you up to? Where can they find you? What's going on? Do you hang out on Instagram? Like what's your jam? Yeah, for sure. I hang out on Instagram for sure. That has been my jam ever since I started sharing my authentic voice. So you can find me at at I am Sarah Amjad. I am going through a rebranding as we speak. I showed up online for several years as Simply Syra. Mm-hmm. So those of those of uh, the people who have followed me from day one, I've been showing up as Simply Syra, but I've recently rebranded to Syra Amjad. I've stepped into who I truly am, wholeheartedly. Amazing authentically and uh, my book cover is being revised with Sarah Amjad. I even released my book with Simply Sarah because I felt like that's the person who I am. I'm simply myself. I'm simply Sarah. I don't need to be anybody else. Um, that was my, that was my way of sort of creatively hiding <laughs> yet wanting to make a difference in the world. But here I am. Uh, okay. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at I am Sarah Amjad. And my website is also being rebranded from simplysara.com to saraamjad.ca. So currently it's simplysara.com. And also um, in terms of coaching, I offer, um, you know, coaching services. I 
take on private clients. I have three months private coaching program. I have um, high level mastermind programs that I'm enrolling clients in. I also have like a monthly membership. So there's various containers that I have created for various clients so that they can get the transformation that they need, the healing that they need and whatever it is that they're looking for in terms of, um, you know, breaking up with their fears. If they're looking to revive their relationships, accelerate their healing. Um, and the intention is to get you to love yourself a whole lot more and create a very different life um, for yourself. Mm, I love that. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so grateful, as I said, and, and just keep doing you and keep sharing that voice because, you, like I said, you're going to make waves and you're going to make some massive change in the world. And I, I'm just excited to watch it all unfold. Thank you so very much for having me. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. And to all the listeners out there, you know the drill. Head on over and subscribe to the tribe and leave us a rating and a review. We appreciate that so much and we value every single one of them. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sabrina Greer, your host, and you've been listening to You've Got This Mama, the podcast. You can follow us at YGT Mama and join the conversation on Facebook and Instagram to get more information on the stories we share here, our community, our books, or the blog. Head on over to www.ygtmama.com. You can also access the show notes there. If you haven't already, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your daily listen and subscribe to the tribe. Rate and review this podcast. That helps keep us alive and we deeply value every review. I would like to thank the production team and Megan Krumpetich, our producer, for making this happen. Thank you so much to all of you for giving us your ear. We hope you tune in next week. But in the meantime, please remember, you've got this, Mama. Mama.